I'm going to start our reading today in the book of Hebrews. That will not be our main lesson, but this is the main thought. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. By faith Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated among the people rather than to enjoy fleeting pleasure. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Also by faith people passed through the Red Sea to dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Where we're at here now is the Israelites have left Israel. And their first major conquest, Rahab was there. Allow me to pose a question to you this Sunday. As we start our look into God's holy word. It is obvious God forgave Rahab of her sin. But if he forgave her, how come the Bible in place after place repeatedly refers to her as Rahab the harlot? It's a great question. Now, there's two women personally mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the Hall of Fame of Faith in the Bible. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, in verse 11, and Rahab, the harlot of Jericho, in verse 31. Sarah was a godly woman, the wife of the founder of the Hebrew race. And God used her dedicated body to bring Isaac into the world. So Rahab, huh, an ungodly woman, ungodly Gentile, who worshipped pagan gods and sold her body for money. Humanly speaking, Sarah and Rahab have nothing in common. But from the divine viewpoint, Sarah and Rahab shared the most important thing in life. They both exercised a saving faith in the true and living God. Not only does the Bible associate Rahab with Sarah, but in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 21, it also associates her with Abraham. The Apostle James used both Abraham and Rahab to illustrate the fact that true saving faith always proves itself through good works. Now, not doesn't say because of the work, it proves itself through works. 
But there's more. The Bible associates Rahab with the Messiah. When you read the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1, you will find Rahab's name there, along with Jacob and David and other famous people in the Messianic line. Rahab the harlot certainly came a long way from being a pagan prostitute to being the ancestor of our Messiah. Ancestor. That's a good word, ancestor. But where sin abounded, grace much more abounds. Now, if you want to read those words, that's Romans chapter 5, verse 20. It's a great one to remember. But keep in mind today, the most important thing about Rahab was her faith. That's the most important thing about any person. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. We are told that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Not everything that is called faith in this world is faith. The kind of faith that's described in the Bible. The kind of faith that Rahab had. That we'll get there today. Now I'm going to take you back to the beginning of the story. See now, Hebrews chapter 11 is the end of the story. But now we got to go back to the beginning of the story to see what's happening here. It's a long read, so bear with me. Now remember, they left Egypt. They had the 40 days of plagues. They're crossing the Red Sea. They cross the Red Sea. They're heading into Jericho, right? We'll pick up in Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 1 here. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Sminon to go and look over the land. He said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because we they they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hid them. She said, yes, the men came here to me, but I did not know the, where they'd come from. At dusk, when it time to close the city gate, they left. I do not know which way they went. So go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax when she laid out on the roof. So the men set out to pursue the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. But soon as the pursuers were gone, the gate was shut. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that Great fear has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Now I'm going to go down to verse 17. Now the men said to her, This is this oath 
You made us swear will not be binding on us unless we enter the land and you've tied a scarlet cord on the window. Now what she's asking for here is to save herself and her family. And hear this out. It's not binding unless you do this. You tie a scarlet cord on the window to which you let us down and unless you brought in your father and your mother and your brothers and all your family and your house any, if any of them go out side your house into the street their blood will be on their own heads and we will not be responsible as those were in the house with you and their blood will be on our heads if a hand is laid on them but if you do tell what we are going to do we will release the oath from you the made us swear let me make a long story short she comes to him and says save me and my family and they said okay but you have to be here you have to put the red scarlet on the and now a bit of trivia here for you before I get started in the sermon her house was located in the right hand corner attached right to the wall of Jericho when they dug up the Jericho just a few years ago Every wall in Jericho is totally crumbled down except the right-hand corner of Jericho where her house was. All the walls just tumbled down. Her house is actually still standing there. If you want to go take a look in an archaeological find, Rahab's house is still there. All the walls of Jericho are down. But they were told by the spies to do something. Now, so let's get into the study of God's Word. Joshua chapter 2 verse 1 says, The spies came into the house of the prostitute whose name Rahab and lodged there. James, then the book of James, New Testament, chapter 2 verse 25 tells us, In the same way was not the, also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them on another way. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, no, verse 31, it declares, By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given friendly welcome to the spies. So Rahab was a prostitute. Now, I need to be very clear here right now, and I'm going to be as polite as I know how to be, but prostitution is a sinful lifestyle. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 17, God declares, There shall be no whore in the daughters of Israel, or no sodomite in the sons of Israel. And Leviticus 19.29 says, Do not prostitute your daughter, because it... If you turn into a whore, the whole land will fall into whoredom and the land will become wickedness. And in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, starting in 16, do you not know your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that that he who is joined with the prostitute becomes one body with her. For it is written, the Lord, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined with the Lord in the spirit must flee from sexual immorality. Every other 
sin a person commits outside the body. But sexual immorality a person commits in his own body. Do you not know that if your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you that you have from God, you are not your own, but you're bought with the price. So glorify God with your body. That's what the Bible says. Now, anyone who lived that, anywhere who looks in the Bible, you'll find that prostitution is not acceptable lifestyle to God. And anyone who lived like that, the men and the women who frequent them, they're not going to like where they end up. All except Rahab and a few others we're going to talk about. Rahab was a prostitute, but God forgave her of her sin. In fact, once Joshua rescued her and her family out of Jericho, Rahab lived outside the camp as they moved around, and ultimately she married a man from the tribe of Judah named Samion. S-A-L-M-O-N. She married and became an Israelite. You can't marry an Israelite man without becoming an Israelite. She converted. And they were the great, great grandparents of King David. That resulted in her being one of only five women included in Jesus' genealogy. She is named by God as an ancestor of Jesus. Then, of course, the book of Hebrews and the book of James tells us God praises her for her faith. But that does raise a question. Almost everywhere her name's mentioned in scripture, she's called Rahab the prostitute. It's almost like that's her last name. If God forgave her, forgave her sin, why does he keep calling her that? Why repeatedly refer to her as the prostitute? Well, actually, God has done that with others. Matthew, for example, was called Matthew the tax collector. Now, that's Matthew chapter 10, verse 3, if I remember right. Tax collectors were not outstanding, upstanding, whatever you want to call them, citizens of Israel. They were dirt. The Pharisees once asked Jesus why he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. They were a special breed of sinners, right? It's like there's here sinners, and then here's a special class of sinners called tax collectors. And one of the other disciples once called, he, he was called Simon the Zealot. Remember him? Now that is Mark chapter 3, verse 18. I kind of like Simon. Simon was a part of a fanatical sect of Jews who were known for their tendency to assassinate people of political religious differences. 
That's what Zealous did. They didn't like you. They cut your throat. Okay? Simon was a zealot. Zealots were not nice people. You had an argument with them. You ended up dead. It's like this is their identity, though. They aren't what they used to be. They're now what they are. But they're still called what they used to be. Matthew the tax collector, Simon the zealot. That's what they're known for. And it still doesn't answer the question, though. Why would God repeatedly refer to Rahab as a harlot, a prostitute? I mean, it doesn't seem very nice to do that, especially that this would... Except, except, this is God's way of saying he can forgive anybody. That's what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Then the Apostle Paul, he was declaring, he was declaring, I am the worst of sinners. Of all sinners, I am chief. He truly believed that. He, Okay, and... That's my testimony. He said that many places in the Bible. And if God can forgive me, he can forgive you. That's what Paul's saying. And that essentially is what's happening with Rahab. God forgave her and he has used her former life as a billboard. Telling the world that he can, he can and will save anyone who will come to him. Now, I once read a book, a story about a preacher named Carl Ketchnerside. And he began working with the street kids in St. Louis. It's a great book. It's an old book. It's right. And, and, and it's a history of drug addiction. These kids all had a history of drug addiction. But he loved them. And he listened to them. And one by one, he baptized them into Christ. You guys notice he has really short hair. And they all had really long hair. So this was in the 60s. You know, the Jesus movement, right? He was baptizing them. And a wealthy member of the congregation wasn't pleased. And he asked the preacher. He wasn't happy with the preacher. Let's just word it that way. And he asked him. How are you making out with all those long haired, sad looking specimens that you've been meeting with? Can you picture that in the the 60s and 70s, right? And Ketricide responded. Those are not specimens. They are the children of God. You are talking about my brethren in the Lord. 
The other man frowned and said, they look like something the cat drug in. And Ketricide replied, they look like someone the shepherd brought home. You see, there's a lot of people out there like Rahab who don't look like they belong in a church. Now that's what the chief priests of Israel thought. You know, and they, 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 oh, I, I love this one. See, Jesus put those pious leaders in their place. And he said, truly I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom before you do. Now, those words of Jesus are in Matthew 21, verse 31. They're great words to remember. Let me say them again. Jesus told these pious leaders, Truly I say unto you that tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of heaven before you. Matthew, write in your notes, 20, Matthew 21, 31. Great one to memorize. And in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 15, we're told while Jesus was done, having dinner in Levite's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him, and his disciples were there, and many who followed him. And the teachers of the law, those pious teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, and they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Did I not tell you there's a special class of sinners called tax collectors? They're always referred to that. There are Lots of sins and lots of sinners. And a sin is a sin. But there is forgiveness. When forgiveness is sought at the foot of the cross. Forgiveness is a lot better than judgment. Anybody want judgment? I want forgiveness. I like forgiveness. Now the spies that Joshua sent into Jericho... Where did they go? Well, Joshua chapter 2 verse 1 tells us they went and came to a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Prostitutes of that day would often rent out rooms to travelers. It was a common occurrence, right? So the spies went to find a place to stay and they ended up in the home of a prostitute. A bit of Bible trivia here. For you trivia lovers, because there's a few of you in here, right? The original Hebrew word we get here for harlot can also mean one who keeps an inn. And if all we had was the Old Testament text, then we could dissolve Rahab of her immorality and call her proprietress of an inn. As some preachers in this world love to do. But there's no escape from James chapter 2 verse 25 and Hebrews 11.31 where the writers use the Greek word that definitely means a prostitute. So, I mean, it is remarkable how God in his grace uses people we might think could never come to be a servant's. 
Now, here's a question. Why did they go to this woman's home? Couldn't they have gone somewhere else? Well, of course they could have. But I think they went to this Rahab's home because that's where God wanted them to be. Notice she hides them. She didn't have to do that. She took her life in her hands. She took her life in her hands and when she welcomed the spies and hid them. And then she talks to them about God. See, they all knew the Red Sea parted. See, in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9, we read, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your that fear has fallen upon us and all the inhabitants melt away. Everyone was afraid because of you. She knows there's a day of judgment coming. And she knows unless she appeals to them to be saved, she's going to die. So she says to them, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, now she's bargaining here, right? You will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will, that you will save alive my father, or keep alive my father and mother and brothers and sisters and those who belong to them and deliver them from death. Now that's Joshua 2, chapter 12, 12 and 13. Now, I once read a Newsweek article about religion and street gangs. They told of a street preacher who was struggling to reach street gangs of the city. And he asked a drug dealer, he actually went up and asked a drug dealer why the dealer was reaching the kids and he wasn't. And the drug dealer told him, I'm here when Johnny goes out for a loaf of bread for mama. I'm here and you're not. I win, you lose. It's all about being there. Now, do you realize if the spies hadn't gone to her home, Rahab would be dead? Bottom line, if the spies hadn't gone to her home, Rahab would be dead. Neither she nor her family would have been saved when Jericho was destroyed. But the spies did go there, and they were there in her house, and it's all about being there. That's why her and her family were saved. They were there. Now, I'm not sure if they said anything to her about God at first when they were there, but she knew who they were and she knew all about their God. He had parted the Red Sea. And she was convicted by their presence about her need to be saved. Now, a couple thoughts here today from our scripture message. First, Rahab asked the spies for help on how she could be saved. She knew they could help her. Now, and the spies didn't say, well, we need to go ask Joshua. No, they didn't say that. They knew just what to say. 
they told her, when we come into the land, you shall tie a scarlet cord to the window to which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Those words are Joshua 2, 18. They knew just what to tell her to be saved. The question for us this morning, do you know what to tell people to be saved? We've coveted here enough times. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. That's Matthew 16, 16, or John eleven twenty seven. Repent of your sins. That's Acts 2, 36, or Acts 3, 19. Confess that Jesus is your Lord and Master, Romans 10, 9. And ask him to help your life. Ask him into your life. Your heart. Ask him into your heart for forgiveness of the sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Finally, there's one last thing that caught my attention in this story. The spies in their conversation with Rahab with these words. They're very important words. You shall tie a scarlet cord in the window to which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house the father, the mother, the brothers, and all your father's household. And anyone who goes out the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. And we shall be found guiltless. But if, but if a hand is laid on anyone who is in your house, his blood shall be on our heads. That's a unique statement here. And that's found in Joshua 2, 18, 19. In other words, if you don't do what we've asked, we can't guarantee you'll be saved. If anyone else tells you that there's safety in what some other way, they're rolling the dice. Let me make sense of that. They're taking a chance with their eternal soul. The Bible clearly says there's one way to be saved. But in the world we live in, everyone tells you there's many roads to heaven. No, no. Have you ever heard that? I, he was such a good person. You know how many people I've gone to funerals for that live like cads and on their funeral they were preached into heaven? I did not do that, but I've gone to some funerals where people have been preached into heaven. Am I making sense? I always say, I can't preach into heaven and you can't pray him into heaven. That was already made before they died. See, Rahab is called a harlot to remind us where she was and where she is. She is in Hebrews chapter 11, what's called the faith chapter of the Bible. The heroes of the Bible. She went to a person who deserved hell. To a person in the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, I grant you being called a tax collector might actually sound better than being called a prostitute. But in the eyes of the Jewish people, the tax collector was the lowest of the low. There was nobody lower. I mean, the zealot was even better than a tax collector. They disowned their family. They disowned their nation. They they were taking money from the Jews 
and given it to the Romans. Place after place, God says what they were to show you and the world that everyone can be saved. Now, we're, we're starting to wind down on our requested sermons. I got a couple more. See, this summer we did a, we asked for sermons and I got like, well, I got 52 of them. People wanted to know questions about. And I'm, I don't have 52 times in the summer. Right? There's only how many weeks a year? Yeah, I can't, I mean, we can't just do a whole summer. I'm gonna run, uh, some of them are gonna have to get left out. But this was a requested sermon. This was somebody's question. It's a valid, honest question. And the Bible is not afraid of questions. There is forgiveness at the foot of the cross for the worst of the worst of the worst. Paul persecuted the church. He, he imprisoned, he killed. He stood there and held the robes while Stephen, the first martyr, was stoned to death. He gave his approval for it as a member of the high council. So God had to zap him on the road to Damascus. There's nobody so low that can't be saved. But there is no changing the gospel either. They clearly told her, if you don't do what we've said, your blood is on your own head. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to heaven. The road is narrow. The, wide, the path to destruction is wide. We don't change the message. The message changes us. I mean, we're called to, to nice. You can tell them really nice. You don't have to beat them on the head. Do you know what I'm saying? You don't go up to your neighborhood and just whomp them on the head. You're going to burn in hell. You're not going to get the message across really quick that way, are you? But if you meet somebody who's just had an accident on the road to South Dakota that they're cutting out of a car with the jaws of life and they've got maybe three minutes to live right off of the Custer Mountain Pass where you're coming down, yeah, they made it about three minutes. You've got to get very serious on that message. There is forgiveness for the vilest of sinners. Our problem is we have to forgive ourselves and not bring remember it. How many of you remember stuff you did 10 years ago and get mad at yourself? Only me? How many of you have had whole conversations, if you'd had the conversation differently, it would have turned out differently from 10 years ago? Okay, I know I'm, I'm different. I've had those whole conversations. Problem is, when that comes in your mind, say, God, help me forget it. it once you ask him in your heart, it don't, it's, it's gone. He does not remember it. He does not, it's not brought before his throne. You were covered in the blood of the lamb. If Rahab can be forgiven and be, end up in the hall of faith, cut yourself some slack. That's the other part of the message. Now we need to close in prayer. And you need to go out and enjoy this wonderful sunshine. Can you believe how nice the weather is? Nobody out there getting sunburns lately? I did work it on the cement. We need that close though. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful there's forgiveness at the foot of the cross. We are so thankful 
that you forgave us. That you supplied the blood of the spotless lamb for us. That forgiveness might be found. That joy might be enjoyed. We thank you for the gift of your son. Now bless us with your presence. Help us to be your light to a world that is very dark. And all God's people said, Amen.